Let's get into it then. All right. Awesome sauce. I ask that the gods and goddesses of our respective paths bless this circle so that we may be free and protected within this space. And if you have this one word, pagan or paganism. For the pagan community. Exactly. Right. The the big umbrella. And that was fucking fantastic. The best of the podcast the ever. Hey! We're three pagans. Exactly. We're three pagans. And a cat. And may the works this day of be of the highest good for all present and those listening. So mote it be. The circle is cast. This is the real secret of life. To be completely engaged with what you are doing in the here and now. And instead of calling it work, realize it is play. Welcome to Shadow Sundries 1, the 112th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of 20th century writer Alan Watts. Thanks to Velocity Rose for our intro music. You can find more of their work at VelociRose.com. You may call me Ode. And you can call me Not Car. <laughs> I am Gwen, Ode's mother. Mary Meet. And it's just the two of us yes. tonight. Car has migraines, so he unfortunately had to call out on this yep. one. Yep, he's, and he's suffering terribly. Yeah, so, uh, she's having a rough one. In the meantime. In the meantime, uh, it's just us. Yes, yeah, so let's start with our housekeeping. Sounds like a plan. Normally on Sundays, mm-hmm. Car has a Zoom call. A Zoom call, at, 2 p.m. Zoom call. Yep, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern. It's just a chit chat because Car enjoys chit chatting with people. Yep. Just no He's topic. An extrovert. He just wants to talk to you. Just be with the people. Mm-hmm. And then on Monday mornings at 8 a.m. Eastern, I do about a 20 minute guided meditation. And then on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, I am leading a book club. We are on chapter 14 of How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. Mm-hmm. It's been very good. We're doing the Yuling again this year. Mm-hmm. So if you'd like to sign up for the Yuling, which is the Pride's Sacred Santa arrangement, you can go to tinyurl.com backslash three pack Yule. That's three P-A-A-C. Y-U-L-E. Sign up for that. The rules are all there. If you don't follow the rules, remember that there will be a ban going forward. And the only reason we're doing that is because in the two previous Yulings, we've had people who've signed up, mm-hmm. been given a partner, their partner sends a gift, but then they re- they don't receive a gift back. And that's not the point of the Yuling. Yeah. The point of the Yuling is to it's mutual, is mutual gift, exchange. gift exchange. Because when people don't receive their gift, it's, it's hurtful. So because yeah. they put time, money, and energy into getting it sent. The other thing is that we have international listeners. Yes. <laughs> and the Yuling is open to everyone in the Pride, including internationally, which means you may be paired up with someone who lives far away from you. And if that's a problem, you need to let me know at ode at threepagansandcat.com by December 15th. Basically, if you have any, any kind of issue with, with being either you can't do the Yuling after you signed up or whatever, just make sure you contact mm-hmm. Ode and let them know, and they can work around and make it happen. You know, and there's no shame, no blame, just let them know. Yep. Is that all our housekeeping? I don't think we have any new patrons. I don't think so. Uh, I hope not. I don't know how to look them up. No. So if you, if you are a new patron this week, we apologize. Car's not here. Car's not here. He's the one that does that. We'll get you in next week. (laughs) But in the meantime, we love every single one of our patrons Mm -hmm. and we thank you from kittens on up to lions for your generosity. And of course we love everyone in the pride, Mm -hmm. all of our listeners, because you're the reason we do this and you keep us going. Yep. Keep so, the lights on. That's right. So. Sometimes very literally. Yes, very literally. <laughs> keep the keep the lights and the internet going so that we can do this every week. Yep. <laughs> I so. think that's everything. We are house kept and, and house swept. There we go. And hobbit hole swept too. And hobbit hole swept as that's of right. last week. We do that now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Only a little. Only a little. Just a, a little, little bit. A little, a little bit for a little habitable. A little habitable. We can do this because Car's not here. Because Car's not here, yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess he doesn't as I do. That's right. I decide what makes it through. That's right. all the power. <laughs> this is the first in a new series we're starting. That's called right. The Shadow Sundry series. It's going to be a series of interviews with people who craft or sell things in the pride. So mm-hmm. vendors and artisans in That's the right. pride. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in being part of a future Shadow Sundries episode, contact me on Discord. That's going to be the easiest way to get a hold of me. You can go into our group and send me a direct message or at me on the Discord group, and I'll get in contact with you. The reason we do that through the Discord, mm-hmm. unlike the Yuling, which is at Ode's email, email. is because Ode schedules yeah. all of the all of the interviews and our topics. Yeah. And since we're weekly, they need to know, ASAP. As, as soon as possible, yeah. And I'm on Discord almost 24-7. The only time I'm not on Discord is when I'm asleep. That's pretty much true, yeah. This week we're going to have two people, and then in future weeks we'll, we're trying to have up to four people mm-hmm. um, at a time. And we're going to be talking to them about the stuff that they do and the things that they sell. That's right. And we're pointing out that the Yule season is approaching. Makes and so wonderful Maybe gifts. if you're looking for gifts for people. Right. And it doesn't have to be for the Yuling. It could right. be for family or friends yeah. or coworkers. Yourself. Yourself. Yeah, because right. you got some Christmas money from those non-pagan parents and friends. <laughs> I'm just saying. We just don't know what to buy you. So they That's just right. you cash. It's always so much fun. I'm, yes. I'm going to. When we have, whenever we get cash from Cara's mom. From a Christian relative. From a Christian or Christian relative. Yeah. We, I like to go to arts and crafts. And spend it on paying stuff. It's a, it's a terrible, terrible little. It's a tiny little, it's a tiny little seed of spite in me that I'm just like, I'm gonna spend this Christian money on pagan shit. You can't stop me. That's right. Damn it. Because you had the bad sense to send me legal tender instead of an object of some kind. I know. That's our last little bit of spite. Yes. Last, last little, little tiny bit. (laughs) Justin says religious money laundering. I love it. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> oh, yep. <laughs> All right, so we're going to get started here. Our first interview is going to be with Amanda That's from right. Wonderful Body Co. So, oh, Amanda. Amanda. Oh, hello. So the first thing we usually ask everybody mm-hmm. is, how did you get on your path? And what is your path? How, what, what is it that you do, and how did you start to do it? That's right. I am a recovering Southern Baptist. Oh, like deep Southern Baptist, like girls wear skirts and have long hair because that's just what you do. <laughs> I've always been a little bit off the beaten path trying to hide away from Christianity. <laughs> so escaping into uh, the pagan path wasn't that hard for me. But I had to wait until after my grandmother died before coming out of the closet to my family mm-hmm. because she was very religious. <laughs> so for my 33rd birthday, my grandfather took me to uh, get my first reading and the lady that did the reading said you need to stop lying to yourself and I said I know what you mean and she goes you've always been wise you should be wise now I said that's not my path right now and she goes I know but you're a healer and you have to do it I hadn't told anybody but I had already put in all of the business licenses for Wonderful Body Co that week so It was uh, the answer I needed uh, to open up the website and start selling the bath salts that I've been making for a very long time for my family and friends. Earlier, before we even got talking, mm-hmm. you were talking about how busy your life is, especially with you. How many, you have some kids. I have two small people under the age of six. Exactly. So you, you understand busy and lack of privacy. Mm-hmm. 
And you were talking about that you have a very narrow window of time in which to just relax and be by yourself, basically, (laughs) and take care of your own needs. Is that part of what inspired Wonderful Body Co.? Actually, the slogan for Wonderful Body Co. is you deserve a break. And that is what my best friend always tells me is you deserve a break. So the break that I get for myself, because part of making the bath salts for me is the ASMR of the sounds of the salts and taking the time and the patience to make the salt. It's between four and six o'clock in the morning. So if you buy anything from me, it's made between four and six o'clock in the morning. Because that's the only time frame I have to make anything. That is amazing. Well, you make an astonishing amount of product for that to be the case. <laughs> you do. Now, you started out, I, if I remember correctly, you started out with book themes. Is that right? Yes. And I, I still do make a lot of book themes. Book themes are easy because I still live in... um the Bible Belt. Mm-hmm. So if I go to fairs, and that's not something I've done this year because of COVID, but when I go to fairs, books are easier to relate mm-hmm. for most people than any sort of religious themes. So I try to keep things book related. And then a lot of the books that I do are fantasy or on a pagan path. But now I've started doing uh, like sandalwood eucalyptus. That, that's what I use in my own med- meditation and practice for myself. So I've started doing more of that. But now my work area is taken over by my husband workspace (laughs) because he is working from oh no so there's a been a decrease of the amount of salts that i'm making but there's going to be a push for the yule season to make more to have it available Mm -hmm. so you don't have to make to order as it were that's right yes the only thing that i make to order are the hair oils i don't want to have a whole bunch of tiny little vials (laughs) sitting around so, yeah, so so tell us about all the stuff you make, because the hair oils are new, but you make a bunch of stuff. Yeah, because you don't just make bath salts. That's where you started. Yes, I started making bath salts, my uh, small person. I've always made bath salts, but my small person said, why can't these be pretty and smell good? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's a great idea. I don't know why they can't. So I started making the uh, pink cupcakes for her, and that's based on Pink Delicious, which was her favorite book at the time. And then it went from there. I also make uh, little fragrance roller balls, so you can carry the scent through with you throughout the day. And the hair oils. And my husband grew a beard for COVID, as one does. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> Tradition, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. So I started making the hair oil for him, and then Car asked for hair oil, and I was like, "Well, I'm trying to make one right now." So I sent it to him, and then I started using the hair oil for my own hair. And I was like, we can just use this on any hair. It doesn't need to be for a beard. Mm-hmm. So that is a good question. If somebody wants to use the hair oil, I thought of it as beard oil. Yeah. I've never used the hair oil. How, how what, how's that work, Amanda? Tell us the process. You put a little bit on your, on your hand and then you rub it in mm-hmm. and then you're going to put it at the very base of your hair. So you're not going to put it up at the roots or it's going to be really greasy really quickly. You're going to put it very much towards the bottom. Okay. And depending on how thick your hair is, is how much hair oil you want to use. So a little bit or a lot of it. And if you buy the oil, there's a little measuring thing Mm -hmm. on the uh, dropper. Okay. And it'll tell you how much you're getting. And is it helpful for people with dry hair? She asked. Yes. With hopeful intention. (laughs) (laughs) Very dry hair. And it also uh, will help with the frizz if it's humid outside. Excellent. Nice. And it's made with jojoba and coconut oil. So if you have an ashy patch on your arm, it'll also help with that too. So you could technically use it as a body oil. So it's multi-purpose. Yeah, it sounds very multi-purpose oil. (laughs) Not just beard, but not even just hair. Hair and skin (laughs) is all over oil. I like it. Just Just douse yourself in oil. (laughs) 
That works for me. So one thing I'm not clear on, you put the oil in, do you wash it out or do you let it dry? No, you leave it in. Okay. Okay. I usually put it in right after I take a shower. That way the hair is still wet and can absorb it best. Excellent. Okay, cool. See, we are learning, we're learning things. We're learning important things. These are good things to learn. All right. So bath salts, all over hair, body oil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh Rollerball fragrances. The rollerball fragrances, which are so good. I have like six. Oh of my them. God. I love the rollerball fragrances. And yeah, because you are incredibly generous, you, you keep sending uh-huh. us stuff that we can try <laughs> and then review. And I gotta say, Witch's Path, it is my favorite. That, and not just because it's the Witch's Path, but because it smells divine. It really does. Mine is unsurprisingly the Heathen's Path. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Cars is the Probably. Path. Now, to be fair, I will say, I do like Heathen's path. It, it does smell right. really nice. But, but Amanda, you did a really good job clearly in mm-hmm. tuning these to our individual mm-hmm. preferences. But I have some of the other ones too. Mm-hmm. Like the, what is it? Lavender buttercream is my yeah, favorite. That's the one you've salt. been obsessed with. I love that since the very beginning for the, for the bath salts. Oh my God. That's so nice. Well, Card asked me back in December to make the three pack salts and it took me a very long time to figure out your fragrances. <laughs> Well, well, you nailed it. You nailed it. April when I released it. So. I so, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Uh, but I will be making your soaps for you. It's finally not as humid outside, so I'll be able to cure the soaps, and hopefully they'll be out for the yuling. Excellent. Ooh. So now the so make- soaps are coming. Soaps are coming. Body oil, hair, hair oil. all over. Oil. Rollerball fragrances. Rollerball fragrances. And the bath salts. And bath salts. The bath salts are... Very pretty. They got mm-hmm. glitter in them. They're very pretty. They come That's in true. cool colors. That's very true. And you're making this all in one short hour of the day in a space that is no longer yours to use. <laughs> you're correct. You are a magical witch of power. No I'm just saying. <laughs> That's amazing. Obviously, you, you don't make these specifically for pagans. Mm-hmm. You make them for everybody. Right. Because everybody can use a break. But how would you recommend people use these in their magical practices? Excellent question. Uh, in a day-to-day for me, if I have a moment to sit down, what I do is I sit down and enjoy my coffee in the morning with my bath salts. I use them as a foot soak in the morning and you obviously cannot go anywhere, do anything else while you're doing a foot soak because your feet or in water. So I sit there and I have my cup of coffee and I meditate with the coffee while I soak my feet. That's really smart. Force yourself to stay still. <laughs> yes. Brilliant. Um, yeah. Most of the people on the Zoom call know I have severe issues with, with standing still. <laughs> <laughs> Where can people find your products? Mm-hmm. They can find my products on Etsy. Just do a quick search for Wonderful Body Co. You could Google on Wonderful Body Co. The website is up or down depending on how Squarespace feels about me on the day. <laughs> the other day, it was not liking me. I've got to argue it with it again. But again, I've got between four and six in the morning. Do I want yeah. to do a Squarespace or do I want to do something else? <laughs> so, Fair enough, yeah. Etsy is always working in Etsy. If you just do a quick search for Wonderful Body Co., it'll show up. (laughs) And for people who may be inclined to ask, do you do special orders? I do. And I have done special orders for people who cannot have coconut. I've made a batch with a vegetable oil as a replacer. There are other replacers out there that I've done research on. Since then, I could use almond oil or jojoba oil in place of the coconut oil if you cannot have coconut in your bath salts. Excellent. Excellent. So people don't have to just go, oh, well, she doesn't have the kind of stuff that I would use or the fragrances that I might use, but they can actually contact you and say, 
hey, is this possible? And you'll be able to work with them. Yes. And if there's a specific scent you're looking for, I know Kristen Ray has asked before if there was a um, fragrance option for um, Howl's Moving Castle for her daughter. She wanted some and I made both Howl's Path and Sophie's Path for that. Oh, beautiful. Okay. And then I believe for three-pack listeners, Mm -hmm. there is a discount? There is a 30% off. Three-pack 30 uh, will get you 30% off. And if you forget the code, just put it in the box and I'll refund you the difference. (laughs) (laughs) It has happened. Shoot me an email. (laughs) And you have amazing prices. Um, Yeah. So that that 30% off for the three-pack listeners is incredibly generous. Yeah. Because you already have these really reasonable. Yeah, everything's really affordable. Really affordable prices, generous Especially sizes. for the amount of work you're putting into them. Yeah. The amount of work, the time, the energy, and the skill that you're putting into it, just the variety. You have some really great varieties. Yeah. Really, you guys do need to go to Etsy, to Wonderful Body Co., mm-hmm. and see, because there's just a huge range mm-hmm. of products. And Amanda just keeps adding new things. <laughs> just all that inspiration just hits. And all of a sudden, there's soap. In the future, uh-huh. future soap. <laughs> Looking forward to soap. Yeah, I, do, I do live in the swamp, so if it's too humid outside, I cannot cure the soap. Uh-huh. It'll just be this nasty mess. So I've been waiting for the fall, and it's finally 60 outside. So. Nice. Well, here's here's hoping here's you get the right season. environment for soaps. You know, if you make it, like, this is soap season. Right. You <laughs> just make soap. Limited time only soap season. That sounds like a seller to me. Especially since it's around Yule. And and just, like, think of the, the basket you could put together for a mom or a grandma <laughs> or an aunt. I'm just saying. Or, or a dad. Well, yeah. Or a grandpa or an uncle. Yeah, yeah. I suppose <laughs> they need to rest, so, too. Soap is not gender specific. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Everyone needs soap. Everybody Tell needs me, soap. Tell me. I have one question for you. Will any of your soaps be scratchy? Because I like a scratchy soap. Yes. And I am looking to see if there's some way of making sea salt float in the soap. So I'm doing some testing on that right now for extra scratchies because a little bit of scratchy is great, but a lot of scratchies would be even better. I, Thank you, Amanda. <laughs> I am a little scratchy because I have sensitive skin, but this one will be happy. I love a scratchy soap. And it's, it's so hard to find a soap that's goodly scratchy. All right. Thank you, Amanda. <laughs> Thank you, Amanda. <laughs> You're welcome. So it's been great to talk to you. Uh, if you have any, do you have any last comments? I do not. All right. And then anybody have any last-minute questions for Amanda in the patron questions? Yes. What inspires you these days, Amanda? These days I've been trying to focus on what makes me happy. So I made the sandalwood eucalyptus. And if you notice on the Etsy page, there's inspiration that is just my own. Nice. So when I sit down now, I'm not trying to find a book or anything in particular. I'm just opening the sense and seeing what makes me happy. After COVID, I haven't really started reading and I'm still trying to find my own normal. Mm -hmm. I I had COVID and I have short-term memory issues now. So I'm not the same person that I was and I'm still trying to find out who I am, but through meditation and just doing what makes me happy when I'm working is how I've been doing my best with crafting. That is beautiful. And honestly, I think it's a lesson to all of us about how to move forward when mm-hmm. something difficult like this happens. Yep. Especially if you're a, a creator of things. Of stuff. Of stuff. Well, good luck in discovering who you are now, Amanda. That's right. Thank you. And thank you for joining us here tonight. We'll let you go so you can sleep. Yes. Go sleep and then go make more beautiful things. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye, Amanda. Okay.
That was very, very good. Yes, good, good interview, good start to the, the Shadow Sunders process. That's right, because we love, and, and we're just going to say it, we are huge fans of, yes, of Wonderful Body Girl. Wonderful Body <laughs> and, of Amanda. and Amanda, and the skill, and just the creativity mm-hmm. that she brings to her products. We have a number of those products we in the house. We have so <laughs> many of Amanda's and products. I'm looking forward. I hope Soap Season goes well. Soap Season! <laughs> That's right, because we actually got to test yeah, yep. when they were still kind of in their testing stage. Testing stage. So we were like, we had two different kinds. Yeah, Amanda sent us two different kinds of soaps and was like, which one do you prefer? And I was like, I like them differently. <laughs> <laughs> so we're kind of excited about soap season. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, segments oh, to do. We do have some segments to do, but Cara's not here to Cara's sing the song. Here. So I will give it a go. Everybody say it with me. You know what it is. It's time for... Oats Stone Corner! Today we're going to be talking about Red Barrel, sometimes called Bix Bite, but that has, that name has been depreciated because it is too often mistaken for Bix Beite. They were named this way because they were both discovered by Mr. Bixby, who is a mineralogist. Well, that kind of makes sense. Uh huh. Red Barrel is uh, extremely rare. So there are lots of different kinds of barrel. Emerald is actually a kind of barrel. Aquamarine is a kind of barrel. Mm-hmm. Goshenite, which is colorless barrel, is what straight barrel is. And then all the other forms of barrel have various trace elements which change their color. And red barrel is one of the very, very rare examples of barrel. It has trace ions of manganese, mm-hmm. which is what gives it it's red color. It's a medium to dark red. It can veer into like a, a purplish or a raspberry color. Mm. It is transparent to translucent. They're very, very small. In some mines, you'll see crystals no more than a few millimeters, which are too small to be cut. And even larger specimens are often not cut because the rarity of red barrel is such that losing any amount of the gem is considered a serious waste. Oh, wow. So it's very rarely cut. When it is cut, it's cut very carefully and and often in uneven shapes because they're just trying to preserve as much of the stone as possible. Mm -hmm. So it's very rarely a jewelry stone. It's very rarely gem quality. It often has inclusions, lots and lots of inclusions, but like emerald, because it's very rare, those inclusions do not really reduce the gem quality of red barrel because you just kind of have to work with what you have. Right. A single carat of red barrel in a, a single high quality carat can be up to $10,000. Holy fucking shit. Because it is very rare to find even two or three carat red barrel stones. And what for are you telling us about this barrel that we can't use? Listen, I told you about Alexandrite too. <laughs> red barrel is very, very extremely rare. If... <laughs> The Discord is reacting. The Discord is reacting, yes. That's one fancy as hell rock. Yes, Red Barrel is very expensive. Like I said, you mostly are not going to see it in jewelry. You're going to see it in gem collector's specimen cases. (laughs) So it's pretty, don't touch it. It's pretty, don't touch it. It is a Mohs 7.5 to an 8, so it's fairly hard. Mm -hmm. But because it has a lot of inclusions uh, and because it fractures easily, it's classified as brittle, so... Right. That's another reason it's not cut as often. There's another stone, which was primarily mined in Madagascar, but a new mine of it was recently found in Afghanistan called Pezotate. Pezotate is not a barrel. It's a barrelite okay. with lithium and 
so it's not actually a barrel, but it's similar to barrel and it contains beryllium and, mm-hmm. and other things. Uh, and it's another redstone that bears a resemblance to red barrel, but so they can be a substitute. Yeah, they have different chemical structures, and you'll sometimes because Pezzotate has this new mine that was recently found in Afghanistan, there's more of it on the market, and it is not as valuable as red barrel. Mm-hmm. So you sometimes see Pezzotate being sold as red barrel. There, don't believe it. Don't believe it. There are <laughs> there are some. It's false. There are barrel. some ways to distinguish them. Red barrel grows in a, a hexagonal crystal formation, and Pezzotate grows a triangular crystal formation. And because you very rarely see red barrel cut, it's relatively easy to tell mm-hmm. uh, because you usually see it in a raw form. Mm-hmm. Pazotate also tends to be a little lighter in color, more towards that raspberry pink color than red barrel, which can range from a medium dark red to the raspberry color mm-hmm. um, in sort of a purplish range. Mm-hmm. If you're going to spend this much money... Ten grand? Yeah. Finn, per carrot. Finn is saying, so you're saying red barrel exceeds the Yuling price limit. Yeah, by just a trifle. <laughs> So yeah, so if you're gonna, if you're, if you're looking at a specimen of supposed red barrel and you're looking at spending 10k on it, you should have it with a certificate of authentication <laughs> from a, a respected gemological institute because they can do tests to, to determine the chemical composition to make sure you're actually getting red barrel and not hesitate. Wow. But the other thing, and the reason, part of the reason I'm bringing it up is that we may start to see the price decreasing to 9,000. Well, to something. <laughs> we may start to see the price decreasing because recently labs in Russia have discovered a way to create synthetic red barrel. Oh. To grow red barrel crystals. So that would make it more it accessible. May, it may start becoming more accessible over time. It's going to be a while. The challenge will be identifying synthetic versus mm-hmm. mined red barrel and, and all right. these kinds of things. But you may be able in the future to acquire red barrel more easily for a more affordable price point. Right. And it would have the same spirit. Exactly. The same quality. Same quality. Just younger. Yeah. Because it would have been grown in a lab instead of in a volcanic structure yeah. under the earth in Utah. Finn says it's nearly all red barrel is found in Utah. In, in the rare possibility that you, you are a billionaire. That you have some red barrel or some access to red barrel or have a really rich uncle friend friend mm-hmm. who happens to who, who's willing to get you a specimen of red barrel bequeath <laughs> um, you the red barrel uh, that they have in their very my special, special collection exactly my my special collection containing red barrel it has a few associations it's associated with blood in part that's because of the color but also because of the way inclusions sometimes form in red barrel mm-hmm. it it often has sort of a bubbly look to it mm-hmm. because of the color it is and because of the fact that it's translucent and because of the inclusions. If you look at it like in the right angle from the right light, it looks like blood sort of flowing through the, the um, veins, the, yeah, through the veins, through the crystal structure. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's good if you're going to, do anything related to blood if you want to, if you have the money, but you're squeamish about blood, <laughs> you could use red barrel to send it for, for blood and uh, blood rituals and things like that. Very good. It also has associations with resilience and adaptability and with uh, strength and health generally. It's one of the strongest barrels on the market. So, so like an emerald is not as strong of a stone as a red barrel is just mechanically, but also spiritually. Okay. Right. So mm-hmm. it's not more powerful because it's rare. It just happens to be that red barrel has like a lot of 
strength energy to it. Right. But that's what I have about Red Barrel. That's what you have. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's it for <laughs> Old Stone Corner, y'all. <laughs> hurt my throat the first time. Thanks to our Tiger Solanox for introducing us to Weavers of the Web, an interfaith pagan ATC, that's Aquarian Tabernacle Church, organization based in Lansing, Michigan. Weavers of the Web is a public Wiccan church that aims to be family-friendly, supportive, and informative, with the goal of ensuring that no one ever need be alone in their spiritual needs. Weavers is currently raising funds for the down payment on a property which would allow them to expand their current network of resources. During social distancing, you can find them online at weaversoftheweb.org or on Facebook at facebook.com backslash weaversatc. Weavers is also holding regular Zoom meetings, online rituals, and Discord discussions during this time. It's time for reviews. (laughs) Okay. So. Yes, I forgot about this. Gwen has read a book. (laughs) This is a book that people have been talking about a little bit in the three-pack Facebook group. Mm -hmm. And someone got it and opinions were shared. So I thought, shit, I'm going to get this book Mm -hmm. and see it about the deal. Right. And what it is. See how I feel about it. Well, it is the Junior Witch's Handbook, A Kid's Guide to White Magic, Spells, and Rituals by Nikki Vandekar and illustrations by Uta Krogman. And the first thing I will say is it's a nice hardcover book, and the illustrations look nice. It's very pretty. It's a very pretty book. Mm-hmm. It's very sweet. But I got, got some issues. I got some issues. The first one starts with the title mm-hmm. because it's White Magic. And I don't feel like we need to classify or colorize magic because magic is just magic. It's your intention that matters. Yeah. Scuba says white magic is already kind of a hmm. Uh-huh. And Alice Perch says not really into the white magic in the title. Yeah, exactly. That's the first thing I thought. I was like, well, okay. <laughs> then I read. So she start, yes, she read the introduction. I read the introduction. And that made me go, hmm. <laughs> Because, first of all... It was a hmm of an introduction. It was a hmm of an introduction because, first of all, the author intimates that witches are only female. Yeah, let's read these specific lines. Yeah, read the specific line. You'll find it. All right. So there are two lines in here that stand out. The first one is in the third paragraph of the introduction, and it is, The history of witchcraft is made up of powerful women, but maybe not in the way you think. And then the introduction continues for a bit. And then it says, okay, in the third from last paragraph, it says, the final category of each section, empowering, will help you remember who you are and what you are capable of. It will help you shed any limitations you might think you have and fully step into your power. Power that is your birthright has been passed on through generations of women and is yours to claim. I mean, it's straight out of charmed, y'all. And then you take, then you go back. After reading that introduction, (laughs) kind of says, shut the fuck up. Yeah, no, that's that's how we felt about it. Then you go back and you re-examine the cover and the inside. And you look at all the illustrations. And it's all girls. Yeah, it's all, it's all girls. Very, very, very much geared toward little girls. Or young girls, I should say. This is, you know, it's a reading age. I'd probably say, does it say on the back? I don't know. It just says kids. Probably eight to ten. Yeah, it's probably, it, it would be a Appropriate for readers 8 to 12, probably. And it's designed for a kid to read it themselves Mm -hmm. to learn how to do magic. To do witchcraft. witchcraft. Oh, there's another point in the introduction where it it describes the rule of three as a universal law. 
Yeah, so and obviously this has a very love and light, very, and I'm, I'm sorry, y'all, I'm going to say it has very Wicca bent. No offense to those Wiccans out there who right. are not just no, all. No shade to actual no shade Wiccans. To, you know, to Wiccans, but this has that this has stereotypical. That, this has that sort of undisclosed Wicca flavor. Yeah, you it know? has that kind of very stereotypical, charmed from the 1990s vibe. TV series vibe, especially that it's directed strictly to girls, and it intimates yeah. that witchcraft is strictly is for, a woman's a practice. Woman's practice. Yeah. A woman's craft. Rabbit says, turf for kids. <laughs> kind of. And uh, then we go in, and it has, you know, the problem, the sad this thing This is the sad thing. This is a sad thing, because we've got some really great concepts mm-hmm. in here as far as some easy to understand spells and, uh, but, and yeah. you know things you'll need like how to create an altar crystals that you can use herbs a description of what essential oils are and how you can safely use them it even includes a short table of correspondences i mean so there's some good information i, I haven't read this book in full but i browsed through it and from i mean it looks like like a not not a bad little like 101 for kids, you for know, children. like it's not going deep into the subject. It talks but, about meditation, yeah. how to how to take care of yourself if friends are being mean to you. There are some really nice things in here. But unfortunately, it's wrapped up in this package. It's wrapped up in this only girls can practice magic. Yeah. And it has to be, it can only be white magic. So unfortunately, I cannot recommend this book. Yeah, we can't give this a... Um, because I feel like it would lead both the parents who, who may want to work with their kid through mm-hmm. this but it would lead their kid down the wrong path as far as I can, am concerned when yeah. it comes to witchcraft. And it's, it's subtle. It's that kind of subtle stuff that sneaks in. Yeah, it's very subtle. And it's now apparent if they were really determined and believed in themselves, <laughs> <laughs> could take the material from this book yeah. and rejigger it and uh, expl- use it as a basis to explain very basic witchcraft Concept. 101 very basic concepts and use some of the spells and rituals and meditations in this with their kid. But I wouldn't just give, I wouldn't just hand it to the kid to read. Yeah. I would use it as a basis to create something. Create a little grimoire. To to create, yeah. Use this to create a grimoire to give to your child that is more egalitarian. Mm-hmm. And so that your boys can read it. Yeah. Or your non-binary Shit. kids. Your non-binary kids, your your boy kids, or your... Because as the book is written, or your, not for them. Or your trans kids, uh-huh. you know. Yeah. yeah, because this is definitely not written for anybody other than a little, little girl. girl. Yeah. In the traditional binary sense of a little girl. Yeah, uh, Rana says, it is far more important for me to teach my kids not to be church than it is for them to read this or yes. any book. Yes, so I would say if somebody gifted this to you or, or you, you know, your kid found it, take it and use what you can, cherry pick what you can from it. Yeah, but I wouldn't just I hand wouldn't just hand it. to your kid. No, I would not hand it wholesale, which is a shame because um, I, I feel like it has really missed the mark. Yeah. And don't it's just the the problem with those kind of subtle indications mm-hmm. is that it's insidious, right? It sinks right. into your brain and you don't realize you're being programmed by it. That Unfortunately, goes, if I was gonna give it a star, I'd give it a one and a half. Yeah. Just because it has some good content that can be adapted. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, I, I'm not give down. this book a miss. Give this book a miss, pass this one by, write a grimoire yeah, for your yeah, kid exactly. and, and hand it to them. That would be more special anyway. Yep. That's, That's it for reviews. <laughs> All right. Now. It's time to 
introduce our second guest. That's right, because you get to hear from two people two today. Two people. Two, two people. And our second guest is the one, the only, Mother, Mother Multiverse. That is an amazing <laughs> intro. Thank you very much. <laughs> I have sometimes been referred to as the ephemeral Mother Multiverse, and then people do finger oh. wiggles, you know. So oh. that one's pretty good. I like that. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to steal that one. Yeah, yeah I like that. Get the ephemeral mother multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Mother, mm-hmm. as always, we start with the standard question. Mm-hmm. What's your path and how'd you get on it? So, I'm a heathen chaos magician. I got into chaos magic unwittingly when I learned from someone as a teen after getting interested in magic be kind of secondhand. Honestly, my girlfriend got into it first. She had watched this movie you may have heard of called The Craft. <laughs> so for whatever people say about The Craft, as good and as bad as that movie is, I don't know if I would be here in the same fashion that I am if it wasn't for that movie, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, they'd uh, taught me their own style of magic. They'd learned from books and combining together ideas that they'd come up with on their own. I used that and I called myself a mage at the time. Once I got to college, I got a book on chaos magic called Prime Chaos by Phil Hine. And I read through it and it was a very scientific style of magic. It was basically stripping away all the dogma and just looking at the techniques themselves and going, okay, if we put these in different contexts, does it still work? If I substitute out an archangel for the Hamburglar, will I still get results? And it turns out you will. Maybe not as good a results, but you could still manage to uh, perform magical action, even using completely fictitious characters and things like that. And so I started on that path. And when I later met my teacher, yeah, a handful of years ago now and met up with them again, they had also become a chaos magician. Interesting. So I thought that was really fascinating that we both ended up on the same path in that way. Yeah, convergent evolution. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's a great way to put it. In recent years, uh, I've kind of come into heathenry. I wouldn't say kicking and screaming. It was it was kind of more like a gradual thing. Um, as some of you know, I am a spirit bride of Jormungand, and that sort of happened seemingly gradually, but not at all in in other respects. Giant snake vision that I had while I was at uh, Michigan Pagan Festival. And so then I just started following that. I did a 30-day do magic, working with Jormungand. And that was pretty life-changing. Norse gods tend to have this gregarious thing where you meet one and then they're going to introduce you to another. And there's a, if you give a mouse a cookie effect to a lot of deities. So suddenly (laughs) I have a whole altar when I'd had a pretty much, I wouldn't say atheistic, but largely animistic and non-deific practice before. Mm -hmm. So now, now I have a very, very full and active altar that I'm now looking at and work with a lot of the different heathen gods. And when I'd look back at some of my notes from many years ago in college, I'd had visions of serpents then and I'd put it together. They'd been trying to get in contact with me for a really Mm -hmm. long time and I just hadn't noticed it yet. That is definitely my experience too with the heathen deities. One of them comes in and suddenly the doors open and that's it. (laughs) They're all (laughs) You you rolled out the welcome mat. Congratulations. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. 
Are you pouring drinks? I could, I could. (laughs) (laughs) So, so what are the things that you do in a a practical sense? What do you vend or art? Ah, my vending and arting. Well, okay. Most of my vending and arting comes down to creative efforts, especially in the gaming sphere. Kind of one of those things of I have some magic that is sort of game based. And then some games that have a lot of magic in them. And so it kind of goes both ways. What I primarily have been and are continuing to work on is Vector Attack of the Meta Pirates. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure some of you have heard the, 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 what is it, jingle, whatever, <laughs> uh, <laughs> over, over various episodes. Some of you have gotten to play it, but Vector Attack of the Meta Pirates is an RPG supplement for any role playing game where a group of meta pirates will invade the setting and slowly but surely change the rules and change the assumptions. What Vector primarily runs around is some very specific ideas. In my own practice, I've found, and and the name Mother Multiverse might give a little of it away. (laughs) If I were giving my own personal definition of magic, it's that magic is becoming aware and gaining the ability to use one's extra-dimensional anatomy to interact with extra-dimensional technology. To make it a more simple example, if I go to the astral plane and I find, say, a broom there, and then I use it to sweep and somehow that cleanses my house of something, that is essentially me using my astral limbs with an astral piece of technology to do some sort of effect here, right? Mm-hmm. And that's sort of how most of my magic works. And a lot of it has involved exploring a lot of different planes of existence. One of those is narrative space. It is sort of the dimension right beneath ours, or you could even call it the the world of fiction. It's a world unto itself, and it's alive in a different way than we are, but it's a world of stories. Now, if you're a living story, like Vector happens to be, Vector the Meta Pirate, And your story happens to be the story of an NPC in a role-playing game who is aware that they are an NPC in a role-playing game. What would you do to try and become real? So in, in that kind of case, this is a being that knows that as a fictional entity, the only time it's ever really alive is when people are talking about it or interacting with it or thinking about it because they only exist as a story, right? Mm -hmm. So... On that level, what they want to do is get into as many hands as possible and as many minds as possible so that they don't just blink out of existence and disappear. And what they'd really like to do is find some way to make the jump from being a fictional character to being in our world. And so that kind of determines everything that happens in that game. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an understandable motive because I, I, I'd actually thought of this example just a few minutes before getting on the show. The idea of, you know, imagine if Carr, Gwyn, and Ode were not actually real, but if you were just fictional characters that three actors were playing on some podcast. And every time the podcast stopped, you all just disappeared 
until another podcast came on and people listened again. Well, and there's an extent to which that is even true yeah, because really of the is. way parasocial relationships work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A listener's experience of Ode is not the same as my experience as Ode. Mm-hmm. Certainly. But if your experience as Ode meant your reality ended right, the moment exactly. you stopped being listened to, would you not be trying to look for ways to be a little more stable Right. And make sure yeah. that people my, are listening. My primary right? motivation would be ensure someone somewhere is always listening to me. <laughs> right. So Vector Attack and the Meta Pirates, being that kind of thing, has a lot of different little devices, uh, psychological, not mystical, oddly enough. When I first created it, my goal was to create an idea so powerful that if it was going to be magic, it would do the magic on its own. Of course, my plans got completely hit sideways <laughs> because Vector made itself real in a roundabout way that was way more crazy than I thought. Is this is this a good time for like a big UPG thing? Yeah, sure. go for it. Right. So I was doing some work in fictional space and I'd went in there and suddenly these crazy purple monster things attacked me. And It caused me a massive, like, headache. I freaked out. I'd shut the door behind me, and I thought I was okay. But I wasn't. Something had gotten inside of my head. Are you... Oh, I'm sure you are. You all know Saren. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this entity faked being something else, tore a (laughs) hole in my head. That hurt, by the way. Like, I very rarely have strong UPG experiences where I feel physical pain or see something physically, I tend to be very on the kind of um, subtle level. Mm-hmm. It hurt. It, it literally hurt. They checked it out and did an exorcism on it. And I was very upset because I was, I'd thought my shields were pretty good. I didn't understand how this thing had done so much damage to me. So later I decided I was going to try and deal with this. I was on a regimen of cleansing and grounding and all this other stuff to make sure I did not have anything icky inside of me. Even though I hadn't been intending on doing anything with Vector, I was doing like this internal bug hunt, getting rid of the eggs this thing had laid inside me. Mm -hmm. I was cleansing these things out. And that hole in my head, I was like, ah, it doesn't, doesn't feel just like a like a hole exactly kind of makes me think of a womb and the moment I thought that all the eggs started hatching and I freaked out and I was like oh god I need something I need something calories what could I do and some part of my brain don't know why I didn't think about what I was telling myself it was like you could use vector vector's a living virus a mimetic virus if they think of him then they become real and they get inside okay cool so I send out a counter vector to deal with this internal infection, to try and clear it out. And that seems to work. And I get kind of upset because I'm like, man, this thing really messed me up. But I'd seen the exorcism method, and I was like, I can replicate those energies. I can deal with this. So I astrally project. And I know that time isn't a straightforward line, especially on the spirit plane. Once you get into the spiritual level, things sometimes stretch or contract and even sometimes skip around a little bit. I was like, all I got to do is focus back to when this first happened, and I'm going to get them. So I snuck up behind the things that originally attacked me, and I took them out. And there was a whole lot more there, and I saw how they saw things. They are basically these predators that sat up on top of the fictional level 
and would go picking off like baby ideas, like ideas before they were even able to really be born. And so I was fighting against a bunch of these things, you know, all astral battle, you know, visual nonsense. And I was like, oh, I need something else. And so I thought, why not use Vector again? And the moment I did, everything changed to look like the final battle in the book. And then I stopped. <laughs> I went back and I went, wait a second. What am I doing? What am I doing? So Vector, the idea I had that didn't exist, but existed somewhere in the future, had time traveled back, infiltrated myself to cause me to act in such a way as to release him onto the astral plane so that he could be there to exist to do this loop in the first place. Timey-wimey nonsense. So, anyhow, (laughs) that's why I have a warning at the beginning of the Vector book that lets (laughs) you know that warning, Vector attacking the Meta Pirates, is not just a supplement or role-playing game, but is in fact a mimetic virus. And by playing it, it may change you, your game, and your players for the rest of your life, you have been warned. So, that being said, yeah, I'm coming up with a Halloween adventure for it. Oh, oh, oh. Talking about predators picking off baby ideas, so that's what happens to all those, like, those yeah. thoughts you have right as you're about to go to bed, and then you think, oh, I'll write it down, and then, then they're gone. gone. Theoretically, it is something that happened. It is obviously UPG, but in theory, yes, that is some of the idea. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. Oh, other pockets. That's right. So many ideas. No, that's an that's actually just a, like a really yeah, intense, really interesting experience. A intense, mm-hmm. a little bit scary experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, traumatizing. Yeah. A little, little bit. <laughs> but you 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 dealt with it in such a positive, I guess, you know, way. In, positive question mark. Positive. <laughs> well, yeah. that is positive because you were like. Motherfuckers, I'll show you. <laughs> there was, there is a lot of that in me. <laughs> I'll also say at the point where I figured out that this could work, mm-hmm. that it, that I was like, no, no, Vector is something that is coming to life. Wow, this looks like it'll really work. At first it was just an idea that I played with and thought maybe this will work. Mm-hmm. And then when I started to know it's working, I was like, oh boy, I better make sure this is a good thing, a positive thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I, I got to admit, though, your your warning at the beginning makes me think of the rain. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Now, we did have a question in Discord from Scoobus. Were you at all inspired by Moriarty from Star Trek TNG? No, my inspirations for this, like, honestly, some of it's been percolating in my mind for years, and I don't know all the sources. I know that one was there was a RPG adventure about a ship uh, that, that goes into your setting and wrecks a town, and this supplement starts off, well, you gotta have somewhere to, to get wrecked for this to happen. I was just like, well, that's really kind of cool. You have to have a setting to invade. And I was like, wait a second. That's an amazing idea. Why not have a game about a pirate who invades role-playing game settings and knows their role-playing game settings and literally is moving between them, infecting and invading them. And I was like, that sounds like a lot of fun. I should do this. Mm-hmm. I-, I love the concept. Mm-hmm. And uh, I-, I watched TNG. I was thinking more of Q. There are times. (laughs) There are times. That's very cool. Yeah, and having played uh, one game with Vector, just one session, it's a it's a really interesting experience. I'm not gonna reveal anything about the Vector experience. No, 
but it no. is an interesting experience. That's right. That's right. It's a little different. <laughs> it's different. And and as you all know, I support the good captain. That's right. As I say, with every commercial. <laughs> um, is there anything else you're working on? Uh, any other any other projects you have running? Like I said, there will be a Halloween adventure that I'm working on mm-hmm. uh, specifically, which is going to involve uh, the Irata tiles. The Irata divination system that I've created uses little sigils that I came up with many, many years ago, and it plays kind of like a game when you use it for divination. In this particular context, they'll be used a little bit like their original purpose, like Jenga tiles. And as you uh, play and things happen, you will draw out Jenga tiles and hope that something doesn't go horribly awry (laughs) and they all go scattering. And there'll be some specific effects based on the tiles. Like a deck of many things? A little bit like that, I suppose. It's, it's, well, this is going to be the Halloween adventure. Mm -hmm. The whole premise is going to be a seance because in the realm of, you know, fiction, well, Halloween is the world's largest, sloppiest live action role play event. That is true. That ever happens. And so you have all these half formed shades who are just a costume and a bare couple of ideas going around and knocking on doors, seeking out candy with nobody really wearing the costume. The costume just kind of empty and floating in space. The point will be to uh, do a seance to banish these shades and for some of them to elevate them to becoming true characters and and what they're really meant to be. Nice. And in the meantime, there is a chance you might become possessed by such figures. So, yeah, it'll be a spooky, spooky seance game. Yeah. uh, When will that be ready? I think I will probably have it ready, I would guess, within about two weeks. Excellent. Well, we'll look forward to that. And how is that going to be on Drive-Thru RPG? Will that be on Drive-Thru RPG? Yes. It'll, the two places where my products are, are on Drive-Thru RPG and also itch.io. Either of those are good. If you look up Mother Multiverse Media, my games will be there. Excellent. Excellent. Because that was the question I was going to ask is where can people find Vector? And this Halloween Halloween Sands game. Which I want to play. Yeah. That sounds sounds very very interesting. Well, really, you can probably find them almost anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any other questions for Mother? I don't think so, other than... I did just think of one. Mm. You have taught classes at Mm -hmm. various festivals, which is how we met you, was at Michigan Pride Fest. Are you going to be doing any kind of teaching of classes online since, you know, COVID? I did. If If you look up, I believe it, Ann Arbor Pagan Pride. Uh, I do a class there on discretion called snake oil. So there's that that's available. I don't have any other online teaching avenues that I've lined up at this point. Mm-hmm. We're, I am going to be also working on a book called uh, Mother Multiverse's Magic Maker's Manual. Ooh, excellent. Which will be about how to create your own magical systems. Oh, that like sounds very that cool, sounds Mother. Excellent. You know, we're going to want to review it. Yeah. Just, just saying. We're going to want that. For sure. <laughs> as soon as it's done. As soon as you're ready with yeah. it. Yeah. Well, we'll take a <laughs> little bit. A little bit. All right. Okay. Well, okay. We'll be patient. We'll be patient. Um, we'll play Vector in the We'll meantime. play Vector. We'll play Spooky Seance. Seance games. So one question for you, because, as you said, Vector wasn't originally designed as a magical 
experience per se, but there is certainly sort of a, a layer there. How or would you recommend people interact with your products in, in their magical practice? I'm going to say yes, because I say it's not really, that was mostly about my ego going, I'm not going to specifically enchant this to make it come alive. I want to create an idea so powerful it brings itself to life and then regret it. Um, (laughs) But as that is said, part of the point of it is to essentially shake up a person's reality. This is a very initiatory experience. Like I've been running it online for people and I will say every single game, there has been some sort of strange Mm. synchronicity that's gone down. And they're not, they're usually nothing too big, but there's been more than a few times where something odd happened, like coincidentally, like that one of the adventures takes place in, uh, the happiest place on the planet in quotations, cause I can't say where it actually is. They, there may be some sort of rat king involved there and <laughs> carnival type rides, but I'm, I'm, uh, I have a vision. Yes. A person in my game just happened to have worked there. and knew more about that place and knew more terrifying things about it than I would have ever imagined were there. (laughs) Yeah. Which was amazing because it just made the game better than just some definite strangeness uh, around the game. And there's always pretty much one per game, which is kind of that just little hint of magic that kind of lets you know something more is going on behind the scenes. And I've really appreciated that. Very cool. There's another yeah, question. Yeah, so, so Justin says, what does Mother think of using fictional characters, often superheroes, to stand in for deities on the altar, especially if they were partially based on actual historical deities? So as as a chaos magician, generally, even, even for my heathen practice, there's a certain level of I'm like, there should never be a you must be this economically tall to ride for any kind of religious practice in my mind. Uh, my own altar, I have small things I've bought from the dollar store, stuff I've made myself, a lot of toys, honestly, a lot of things as, as deity figures, stuff I've been able to find that is appropriate to whichever deity or god I'm working with. And I'm going to be honest, I've never felt as if any of them were like, well, we can't respect you now because my icon here is a small rubber dragon from the dollar store. None of them have ever been like that. So to my mind, like, I think it's perfectly fine to substitute in superhero uh, figurines as long as they're uh, appropriate. And, And I mean, if you've got a really good you can kind of hear them kind of thing, you'll know. You can do a divination if you feel really nervous on it and then, like, see if that says, oh, no, no, no. (laughs) Not this particular figurine. Get me that other one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You thought I was Wolverine? Come on. (laughs) I'm much taller than him. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's my usual advice is to just ask. Yeah, just ask and see what answer you get. Yep, absolutely. And if you don't get any answer, it's you're probably good. Yep. Generally speaking, my experience is if they have a strong opinion, they'll let you know. Very true. One way or another. That has definitely been my experience. All right. Do you have any last things you want to say, Mother? Any last words? <laughs> any, any any last words? Before you oh, fade. That sounds, that sounds almost ominous. Like Before you just dissolve well, from the screen. And well, Mother, maybe <laughs> you're only alive while the podcast is on. That's right. 
it's entirely possible. And because <laughs> of that, I would just like everyone out there who happens to be listening, that if it's possible for just a moment, if you could perhaps experience a terrible sense of deja vu whenever you happen to hear this voice, I'd be most appreciative. Hi, Vector. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Mother Multiverse, you know we love you. Yes. We are so pleased. We love you and your works. And your work. Oh, thanks. <laughs> no, you guys are great. Really appreciate it. And we're so glad you spent this time with us. And you were recently on Cars Podcast. I right? was. I drank all the drinks and <laughs> may also have done the Vector may have shown up there too. You you'll probably yes. hear it. <laughs> yes, Spectre did. <laughs> so yeah, that's three pagans on tap. You can uh see it on YouTube. You can go to YouTube and watch Mother's guest appearance there too. That's right. That's right. All right, well, we're gonna let you go, Mother. Thank that's you very much for joining us. Bye, Thank thanks. you. Love. Oh my gosh, that was so interesting. Yeah. And what, you know, that's a really intense experience Mm -hmm. that helped create Vector. Yeah. I mean, and bring Vector to life. Bring Vector to life. I love the whole concept Mm -hmm. of a fictional character that knows it's a fictional character and is like, fuck this. I want to be a real boy. Right. You can't (laughs) stop me. (laughs) You can't stop me. Just try, bitch. That's right. Nothing's going to stop me. So I I really do love the concept. Yes. Okay. So we have, it's time for Gwen's Garden Gems. (laughs) We're having fun, Mm -hmm. y'all. Okay. So on today's Gwen's Garden Gems, I am talking about Joe Pie Weed. Yeah. It is the Latin term for it, or the the scientific name is Eupatorium. SPP because it has 40 species within the family and its family is actually Compositae. Other names more colloquial in addition to Joe Pie Weed include Queen of the Meadow, Gravel Root, Kidney Root, Mist Flower, Snake Root, Purple Bone Set, Hemp Weed, Trumpet Weed, Jopy Weed, and Sweet Joe Pie Weed. It is a perennial. I want to point out here. The, the pie in Joe Pie is spelled P-Y-E. That's true. Although I think I may have found it in some places where it is P-I-E. I'm not surprised. So, <laughs> um, it is a perennial that's found in all areas of the United States except the deep south and the far north. And I'm going to assume that's because of growing conditions. Yeah. Either something is too extremely warm or too extremely cold. It's a Goldilocks plant. Yeah, exactly. It has to be just right. Um, but it is also a popular cottage garden plant that you would find in Europe. Mm-hmm. It prefers moist, damp soil and full sun, so you do often find it in Midwestern prairies. Okay. It is a hell of a big plant. It uh, can grow f- up to five to seven feet tall, and it can spread as much as two to four feet wide. Holy shit. With, and it has That's per- a tree. <laughs> with purple tinged lance shaped leaves that are serrated, pretty pretty strongly serrated, okay. so it looks like a serrated edge all along serrated. Yeah, distinctively serrated on the on the leaves. And they grow in whorls of three to four leaves all up the stem. So okay. that's why it spreads out. Spiky boy. Yeah. The flowers are purple and pink, and they're in dome-shaped clusters. Oh. They're very, very small, little delicate little flowers. flowers. It's a very pretty plant when it's in bloom. Yeah, it sounds pretty. And uh, its blooming season is from July to September, 
and you can either grow it from a seed or from a cutting. Finn says, holy fuck, I have this where I hike. I feel like a dumbass. There you go. It, it is it is very common, and you will often find it in a place that does have a moist or damp soil, mm-hmm. prairie areas, mm-hmm. that, or that have kind of lowlands where water can kind of collect a little, not swamp, right. but just damp. Gotcha. You can gather the leaves at any time, but you want to dig the roots after the frost. Okay. So you can use the leaves, the roots, or the flowers, but I will say that medicinally it should only be used for short-term treatments. Long-term or overdosing of jokai weed can cause liver damage if it's, you know, if you use it for an extended period of time. This is a caution. This is a caution. So I would also probably say nursing and pregnant mothers should probably avoid this. And always, if you're going to use any kind of herbal uh, remedy, whether it's a tea or a tincture, whatever it is, always check with your doctor first. Consult with your doctor. But the history and lore of jokai weed it is said to be named, this is one of the potential names of Jopai weed, is from a Native American healer who used it to treat typhus. But they say that the Latin name comes from King Mithridates Eupator of Pontus. He lived from 120 to 63 BCE, and he is said to, to have discovered the whole medicinal family, which they have named Eupatorium, 40 different species. Right including European native bone set. Mm. And many Native American tribes used it for healing and for magic, including as a diuretic for upper respiratory maladies like cold or flu, fevers. They used it as a poultice for wounds and for joint pain. It was also used to draw love for, you know, in love spells. And they also used it to strengthen their children. Mm. And uh, they would use it as a wash on their children. They go big and tall. Yes, yes, they would use it as a wash. They, it was the flowers could be used as a good luck charm. That is basically how you can still use it today. Um, they, it is still used as a tea for colds, for flu, for fevers, things like that. But that is why you do use it for limited time and you want to check with a qualified herbalist or, and you know, do, do your research. Make sure it's not going to be count, contraindicated with anything else. Exactly. So if you're going to use Joe Pye weed, because it is available everywhere, if you want to forage it, if you want to. Um, I assume you can buy it someplace. You can buy it, the seeds, and grow them. I mean, you know, there's... There's a lot of ways you can you can use Joe Pye weed. But just, you know, do your research, do your due diligence if you're going to use it medicinally. But, again, it can be used magically for all of these different things, including luck, love, strength, relationships, health. Health, very good for health because it, it already works in the respiratory system and for fevers and things like that. So it's it's a nice... Uh, get, some, get some anti-COVID Joe Pye weed. That's right. Um, and so it's a, it's a great plant to work with and, uh, I recommend it. Excellent. That's it for Gwen's Garden Gems. That's very pretty. Thank you. <laughs> it's been a long time since I was in Quark. <laughs> <laughs> but now, because I know you yes. thought since you Carl, thought, you thought that because Carr was not here, that you would have no Carr's feast table. But he has prepared us. He has prepared us. And so it is time for Carr's feast table. Carr's feast table. With Gwen. <laughs> okay, so he did his research. We have no idea why he chose this recipe. We have no idea. We don't know any of it yet. The context? Nothing. All we have. <laughs> All we have is this recipe. Is the recipe, which I will which share. He, which he emailed to Gwen. He emailed it to me, and I will share it with you now. It is 
Viking bread. Yes. And y'all, it looks really good. Yes. I'm going to be making this tomorrow, I think, because mm-hmm. I have all these, rest- all this I have all this stuff at home. Okay. So three cups of whole wheat flour, two cups all purpose flour, one teaspoon baking soda, one teaspoon salt, two cups water, three quarters cups rolled oats, and one third cup rolled oats for sprinkling wean on the top. So that's your ingredients. Here are your instructions. Mix all dry ingredients and then add the water. <laughs> I mean, how can you get easier than that? Straightforward. Stir all of the ingredients with a wooden spoon until you can't stir anymore. Mm-hmm. Then you knead the dough with damp hands until flour is completely incorporated. Mm-hmm. Finally, form the dough into a round, you know, like a round shape. A loaf shape. A loaf shape. Place it on a baking stone, or if you don't have a baking stone, which I do not, you place it on a lightly greased pan. Mm-hmm. We used to have a baking stone. I miss it. Yes. And you uh, sprinkle the reserved oats, you know, on, on top of the bread, of right. the dough. And then you place it in a cold oven. Got that? Cold. You, you do not it, preheat this oven. You do not preheat this oven. You place it in a cold oven. Then you turn the oven to 375 degrees. And leave it alone for an hour. After an hour, you pull the bread out of the oven, let it cool slightly, and drizzle honey on it. Slice, serve, and enjoy. And Gemma says, it's vegan. Yep. So, except for the honey, but you could use agave nectar or whatever. You could use maple syrup. Yeah, or agave nectar. Or agave, yeah, any of those would work. So, yeah, there you go, Viking bread. Mm Mm-hmm. Visit Birmingham Violin Studio, where our tiger Kristen Gill has been teaching violin to anyone ages 7 and up for 20 years. Kristen tailors each lesson specifically to the student, since all people are unique individuals with their own learning style, rather than teaching from a single method or method book. Kristen has a Master of Music in Violin Performance and has played with professional ensembles, including Orchestra Iowa, Florida Grand Opera, Palm Beach Symphony, and the Arkansas Symphony Orchestra, as well as Casey and the Sunshine Band, the Beach Boys, and a pre-American idol, Kelly Clarkson. Due to social distancing, the Birmingham Violin Studio has pivoted to providing online instruction, and Kristen is offering listeners of Three Pangas on a Cat their first two lessons free when they sign up for two months of lessons. So thank you guys for hanging mm-hmm. out with just Ode and I today. Yes. We had a great time, or at least I had a great time, talking to uh, both Mother Multiverse and to Amanda of mm-hmm. Wonderful Body Co. Remember to go check out their information. You can Google Wonderful Body Co. Mm-hmm. to find Amanda. You can find it on Etsy, just Etsy.com, then search Wonderful Body Co. That's right. And then you can find Mother Multiverse on DriveThruRPG or itch.io, searching for Mother Multiverse Media. And we'll make sure we put those links, links into the, in the episode, in the episode description. Basically, you can find us by Googling three, that's the number three, Pagans and a Cat. <laughs> yep. We have a dot com. We have a dot com. We have a Facebook group. We, we have, have a Discord. We have a Redbubble. We have a Twitter that I've never seen. We have YouTube. We have which, YouTube. For both three Pagans and a Cat and Gwen. And, and for Gwen. Me. And, I'm being a third person person. Right. And, and for Three Pagans on Tap. Which That's is right. I think Cardo's with Sarenth and Malik. That's right. Both Odinson's. You can listen to us on Spotify. You mm-hmm. can listen to us on iTunes, who made us go explicit because we use foul language sometimes. <laughs> but that's the only reason. Uh, <laughs> no, we do talk about dicks occasionally. Okay, that's true. We, I do remember the dick bread. The dick bread, yeah. And the dick wand. And the dick wand. Yes. Yeah. 
If you don't know what we're talking about, go to our earlier episode. I don't know which the, one. It was the Wheel of the Year for Imbolc. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, um, let's see here. Okay, so all basically all. Yeah, you can um, find us on all the stuff, all the social stuff. Yeah, and you can you know like us, and you can follow us. Yeah, and that way you'll know when we have an episode out. Yeah, and oh oh, I'm doing another T-shirt thing. Oh okay, it is on. Bonfire. Bonfire, okay. yes. The the first T-shirt was Which is the Contrary, mm-hmm. and that helped to raise $78 for Black Lives Matter. That was based on something that I said uh, in an episode, an episode yeah. a few weeks ago, actually. And then this new one is Don't Swan and Chill. Which, which is, we know y'all have been waiting for. Yep. That is from our Storytelling Shenanigans mm-hmm. episode mm-hmm. back in the yonders. Way back. Back in the way back. And... You can follow the link that is shared on Three Pigs and a Cat Facebook page and in the group. And I can also put it in the Discord if people are interested in seeing it there. But it is to help raise money for NARAL, uh, N-A-R-A-L. And they help promote choice. Cool. Women's choice. That's going to be a big issue coming up soon. Especially. And that was the big reason why I decided to go ahead and do the second campaign quite. I mean, I know it's it's really. And you know what? It's appropriate to the don't swan and chill. Right? I thought so, too. And it's uh, available till October 21st. Mm -hmm. I decided to go ahead and do it, even though it was right on the tail end of the previous T-shirt, because of RBG and the Supreme Court nomination bullshit that's going on and the fact that we need to protect choice. So if you buy a T-shirt, it will go to an organization that has spent years uh, protecting a woman's right to choose. Mm -hmm. So. And a trans man's right to choose. And, and a, a trans binary woman's right to choose. <laughs> That's right. Thank you. And they are they are uh inclusive. Inclusive. So they're a really good organization. So I hope you will help us support them and help us raise money by getting a don't swan and chill shirt of some kind. Because <laughs> they're yeah, they, they got multiple kinds of shirts. Multiple kinds. So. All right. But anyway, yeah. Otherwise, Google us. Yep. Three okay. bags of a cat. I think we're done. I think we are. Goodbye. Goodbye, Bye. friends. Goodbye. 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 <laughs> All right. Uh, how do I, do I just yeah, click off? Yes. Just, and then it'll say. Well, hopefully. I lost a, a thing. Oh, I, I did the other day, so. Just stop. Well, hit stop record. Uh, this makes me anxious. <laughs> I'm going to Google it really quick. Okay. <laughs> okay. I think.